Oh shit, hold on one more second. I just forgot something very important. I'll be right back. Okay. I can't hear you, by the way, so don't feel weird. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, I'm back again. I think Julie just gave us our cold start. I know. That's what I was thinking immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Tape in front of a live studio audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in the last five minutes, the cat has started running around like an idiot, of course. Oh, God. That fucking cat. Welcome to the Radio Cure. <laughs> I'm your host, Nathan Seal, and each week, Jeremy Cohen and I talk about new albums and artists in and around the indie music landscape. This week, uh, we're talking about Shearwater and cross-record side project Loma. But be careful... Liking its eerie incantations may land you on Cambridge Analytica's least extroverted list. They know what you like, and they're using it against you. Which is why my favorite band is Counting Crows. Adam Duritz, 2020, next on the Radio Care. Hey, Jerry. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> Not much. How are you? Has it been a long December? Um... <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't say that. I think, I, I know you use that as a joke, but I, I thought Counting Crows was actually your favorite band. At one point in time, I think they were my favorite band for a while. Yeah. You're the right in age for that life. to be the case. Yeah. That August and everything after, that's a solid record. I never got into it, even back then. He had the, he had the same problem that like maybe a Jeff Tweedy had or something like that. He like got sober and... Lost a bunch of weight and felt better about himself. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, his music just went to shit after that. He was always so schlubby looking back then. I know, I know which makes great depressing indie, 90s indie music, you know, because he just like got made fun of all the time. Didn't he like date Jennifer Aniston or some such thing? No, Long December is about uh, breaking up with Courtney Cox. Oh, and a different friend. Mm-hmm. Courtney Cox, Arquette. Right, right, right. Went from depressing to depressingly silly. (laughs) (laughs) With David Arquette. Had a moment there. Had a moment there in the 90s, David Arquette. He did. I I remember, like, seeing him all the time, but I can't, like, name anything he was in. No, they were all forgettable. It was when movies like that, like, studios were still making movies like that. Yeah, just pumping them out. Sh- yeah, you can't see stupid shit like that much anymore. It's got to have like a superhero in it or something. I mean, I feel like Netflix does it to some extent, like with the Adam Sandler shit. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, well, yeah. Probably, I think that's like really the only place it exists anymore. Nah, you can't go to like the movie theater and see that dumbass shit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but the, re- the only reason that we're talking about these dumbass counting crows, obsolete. <laughs> obsolete. Wash ups. <laughs> Obsolete's the wrong word. They're not a computer. Well, I understand. Uh, is that I found this uh, Brooklyn vegan story? I mean, you you heard of a um, the the Cambridge Analytica breach of Facebook and yes, yes. Uh, the whistleblower with the pink hair. He's a vegan too, actually. Oh, he is. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I saw the uh, CNN interview, and he um, was like this self proclaimed. Um, Canadian gay vegan uh, that was like this genius coder person or something. Right, of like course. It was like course. straight out of like some sort of like a movie, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
for like hacking and stuff. Yeah, if you're on Twitter as much as me, that that story was impossible to avoid. I, <laughs> I saw his picture so many times. So they they've latched onto a story that the Times put out about how they you know deleted all the information, everything like that, but. Um, it kind of gave some of the the results of these kind of psychometrics that they were using Cambridge uh-huh. Analytica to like you know take these uh, Facebook personality quizzes and and like cross reference them with the likes and figure out uh, to predict a user's like openness, conscientiousness, uh, extroversion, agreeableness, neuroses, that kind of thing. I knew those quizzes were nefarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't trust that. Don't trust that quiz. So they do these personality quizzes, and uh, Brooklyn Vegan kind of like uh, called together all of the the bands that were prominent on these lists, and so uh-huh. like uh, examples of likes which predicted somebody um, was most likely to be neurotic were the bands The Smiths, <laughs> Placebo, Marilyn Manson, oh. uh, Escape the Fate, and uh, Bring Me the Horizon. Oh, interesting. Neurotic? Yeah, yeah, you're neurotic if you listen to the Smiths. <laughs> that was kind of how the, the whole story opened. They were like, real... That checks out. <laughs> the least neurotic, however, were all sports-related. So if you watch ESPN or SportsCenter, or if you like Derrick Rose, the Miami Heat, or football, yeah. just the general sport, you're less neurotic. Interesting. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I, I, I feel like they're trying to get to like blue and red. Right. Uh-huh. And so neurotic is another way to say like a finicky white person. Right. That <laughs> like doesn't buy his cheese at the supermarket, you know, has to go to like some sort of like cheese shop. Sure. Well, yeah. I guess if you like think about your stereotypical football fan, neurotic would not be something that comes no, to mind. No. I guess it makes sense. Velveeta and Rotel for those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, that sounds good. You know, I mean, <laughs> you're listening to to the Smiths and you're, uh, you know, swirling your IPA with your 145 <laughs> IBUs. Yeah, <laughs> Morrissey's another vegan. He's on the list. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. it's just disgusting. Le- uh, neurotic is just another word for libtard, right? I mean, that's what we. We're all thinking Probably, yeah. at this point. Yeah, you could lump that in there, I think. <laughs> I think so a few accurate. others. Liking Marilyn Manson uh, or placebo, placebo lands you on the least agreeable spectrum. Mm. I, didn't, I, I don't know how many people I have ever actually met that were into placebo, but I feel like all the ones that were were really hard to be around. Very. Do you think that, that rang true? I think this agreeable? checks out. I think this is, this yeah. is betting a thousand so far. Definitely Marilyn Manson. Yeah, big Marilyn Manson is so be fucking annoying. Disagreeable. They're just trying yeah. to be disagreeable. It's exactly. like part of their look. Mm-hmm. And then if you're going to be on the most agreeable spectrum, it's Rascal Frat, Flats or Counting <laughs> Crows. So oh. that's why I threw Counting Crows in there. I want to be agreeable. Counting Crows are very agreeable. You know what I think is one of the most agreeable bands of all time is Sublime. Have we discussed this before? Like you're the most agreeable type person or everyone no, likes like, Sublime? Yeah, like no one's going to be upset if Sublime comes on. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there are hipsters that would pretend to be, but no one's actually upset. No, Sublime's awesome. I ain't got no Santeria. I ain't got no Crystal Ball. I 
I mean, everyone's loving that shit when it comes on. Yeah, forties, uh, weed, and witchcraft. Mm-hmm. What's not to like? No, it's perfect. Makes you want to go watch the labyrinth. <laughs> so what is like Santeria, though? That's a form of witchcraft, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. Some sort of, you know. Uh, voodoo adjacent? Yeah, yeah, voodoo. I was going to say, like, kind of Haitian voodoo-y thing mm-hmm. going on there. Tom Waits and Bjork, that means you're very open. Oh, so, interesting. That makes sense. Does it? Didn't she have some no. sort of penis headdress? That she was wearing on her latest. I mean, it, it doesn't get more open than that. I <laughs> did she? I mean, I no. Would maybe totally it was a vagina. It, but was it a vagina? That I'm getting seems confused. More maybe I felt like both. Maybe both mm. parts were on it, but she had some crazy ass looks that she was going for on that last album. Well, I mean, for her entire career, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> Cheryl Cole, Luke Bryan, and Jason Aldean ranks you as least open. Hmm. Uh, liking Jason Aldean also ranks you as uh, the most nervous at open air venues. <laughs> Too soon. Yeah, you're gonna have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Gucci Mane predicts that you're most extroverted. Whereas the Finnish metal band Nightwish uh, <laughs> makes you least extroverted. That, That's hilarious. Yeah, I have no idea what Nightwish is, but <laughs> based on that very brief little description there, that sounds super accurate. Yeah, Nightwish is scary. <laughs> Come at you when you're sleeping or something. Mm-hmm. Ooh. So I came up with a few of my own. The National... If you like them, maybe you're the most likely to drink craft beer or have huh. a dad bod. Yes. One of those two. That's good. Uh, Ryan Adams. Uh, <laughs> Our boy. Definitely cat lover. <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I thought you were going to say something mo- mean. Well, uh, most likely to have a feminist button on your jean jacket. <laughs> that was the other. <laughs> Ryan Adams. <laughs> if you like that, that's what that meant. Weirdly, very specific. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. good. How they kind of grab that data it must be photos or something. Oh yeah, Instagram, all that <laughs> shit. <you know? laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so I, I guess all that to say is, they learned some dumbass shit about us. Like, yeah. how, how are you going to win an election with this? <laughs> <I d> <laughs> they're just. I mean, I feel like they're just calling everything. Right? It's like. Yeah. So so fucking what. If I'm neurotic, (laughs) (laughs) what are you going to do with that? Don't tempt fate, Nate. They're probably listening now. (laughs) They're listening in We'll show you what we'll do with it, (laughs) motherfucker. Maybe that guy in the shuttle was a Russian cutout. Oh, yeah. That Sarah saw listening to our podcast. Yeah, someone out in the wild listening to our podcast. Mm -hmm. That definitely seems more like a conspiracy than a coincidence to me. (laughs) Right? There's no way that's possible. Something's going on there. (laughs) Someone's being followed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, should we get on to Loma then? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right, we've had our kicks. Now for some depressing Fun is over. (laughs) (laughs) The fun is over. What'd you think of these guys? I liked them a lot. Um... The uh, you said it was a side project of what well, it was two other bands, two other yes, uh, Shearwater, which is one guy okay. scrambling for his name. 
Myberg is it? Jonathan Myberg is uh, the Shearwater. It's like a band that's just a person. And then Cross Record is Emily Cross uh, and Dan Duzinski. So the Shear- three of them were on tour and they got together. Oh, okay. Decided to do something. Shearwater, I know I've heard that name, but I don't think I've ever heard it. And I have, I definitely haven't heard of the other one at all. Had you heard of them before? No, no. I had no idea. Okay. This was given to me by a friend because he thought, that sounds like some fucking indie music. It, it does. He's right. <laughs> yeah. You don't need don't a like Cambridge shit. Analytica to figure that out. <laughs> no. <laughs> and so um, I didn't know anything of it, but they're on tour together. She, this is from Pitchfork. Shearwater, the indie rock band led by Jonathan Myberg over the last two decades, favor big moments and dramatic sweeps where Myberg's expressive voice can leap and pirouette from chord to chord. Yeah, it is. Jesus. It is dramatic. I, that was definitely one of the senses I got from it. Uh, you, you, you felt that pirouette? I your... felt that pirouette. Yeah. I felt the drama. Cross record prefers subtler uh, execution. <laughs> I refuse to change that B into a D. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you recovered nicely, though. Thank you. Uh, letting singer Emily Cross's voice glide along minimal melodies while multi-instrumentalist Dan Derzinski cooks up an eerie instrumental miasma. Ah. They, lo- they love that word. I've, we... They've used that before. There is that's on their refrigerator. That's on the pitchfork refrigerator where they're where they come up with all this real weird crazy shit. They just use the refrigerator magnets, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the magnetic poetry shit. <laughs> yeah, they, this yeah. is this is how they come up with all this shit for the reviews. Magnetic poetry. Miasma gets overworked. We could make that. It could be. We could have some some merch. Uh, pitchfork magnetic poetry to do album reviews. I love it. That'd be fun. I love it. Miasma definitely on there. <laughs> definitely on there. Maybe give you two or three miasmas just in case you want to put them mm-hmm. in multiple sentences. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like just as many does. Mm-hmm. You get as many miasmas. Uh, but when the two bands toured together in 2016, something clicked. Impressed by the duo's performances, Myberg pitched a collaboration, and the three musicians convened as Loma. Their self-titled debut marks the first time Myberg has ever written lyrics for a voice other than his own, and while Cross has usually applied her voice to simple staggered melodies with cross record here she gets to dance along myberg's dynamic compositions the lengths they go to to meet in the middle aided by drzinski's skillful engineering lead them up to some disarmingly emotional alleys much of the album lingers in a dreamlike reflective space and despite the collaboration behind its making it's rife with loneliness cross tends to sing as though she's in an infinitely empty room and Jerzinski's production amplifies the effect. Mm. It's interesting uh, them talking about him writing. End quote. <laughs> Thank you. Stop. Um, Stop. <laughs> scene. About him writing the lyrics for it. Because even though uh, this isn't like one of those bands where it's like hard to tell what she's saying, but the, something about the music kept making me like tune out. And I, I just could hmm. not pay attention to the lyrics at all. It is very soundscapey, and and so yeah, there's, some, there's a lot going on. I feel like it makes you kind of like it's kind of like daydreamy, I guess, mm-hmm. in a way. 
Yeah, I, I kind of said that, not in a derogatory way, but this is what I think of when I think of like adult contemporary. You know, <laughs> kind of complex, a yeah. little dark, you know, it's got like NPR written all over it. You don't think it's for the kids? Well, you know, you're like... <laughs> It's just a little brooding. Um, it, it, it has brooding, a real yeah. Scandinavian feel to me. Did you feel that? Like kind of the knife fever ray? Yeah, kind of, yeah, I don't definitely. Know if it was like kind of like that darkness where they're they're close to the poles, so it's like night all the time there and winter all the time. Yeah, like real like ethereal feeling? atmospheric mm-hmm. shit. Those two words could be magnets too for the pitchfork. There you go. We're we gotta write this shit down. Oh, I've got it. It's all up in my brain. There we go. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but there are really a couple of highlights uh, that that stand out on this album. You know, it's, it's like I said, it's mostly scout soundscapes, and there's just like these occasional moments of of grandeur where something's like really fucking cool, really groovy, and just something that you really want to listen to. Yeah, it kind of like pulls you out of like the haze it puts you in. Yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah, this a, is badass. Yeah, you have kind of this like kind of stupor. You could you could do many things while you're listening to the other music. It's just kind of in the background. And drugs, then when this comes for up. It, <laughs> drugs, always drugs. <laughs> always always drugs. with the drugs. <laughs> uh, we'll get to the drugs. There's a drug song on here. Oh, I didn't realize that. Maybe that's because I didn't pay attention uh-huh. to any of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. I, I listened to the <laughs> lyrics. I'll let you know which one. Okay. Uh, let's see if you can guess it. But um yeah, there's just a couple of them. And the first one that I want to talk about, the one that really hooked me and I said, I have to listen to everything else on this album was Joy. Yeah, I've, if there's a single, it's got to be this one, right? It's the most like three minute, 20 second ditty that they have. You know, it's just like yeah. that, that real compact. Uh, it's the simplest of the songs, but it's so beautiful. acoustic guitar in there like mixed with like the like background like I'll say it again ethereal electronic sound uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it, it's kind of like a plucky guitar that sets the tempo of it and then there's I, I called it a Celtic sounding clarinet there's like some sort of like weird winding woodwind that kind of oh, runs through it yeah you know I, I mean? was trying to identify that earlier today actually I was like I don't know what that is I don't know why I think of Celtic but there is that some sort of and I can see that. kind of feeling to it. It's better than I can do. I was just like, <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's cool. Maybe the, the tiny little stone hinge will come down like in Spinal yeah. Tap <laughs> during the song. <laughs> it just has a crescendos in all the right places. And um, it, it's like the one respite from like the darkness. Love comes unstuck yeah. in the brain like a million, million waves of joy. That's nice. Yeah, right? I like that. Joy. Million, million waves of joy. <laughs> she, she, she has, she just has a foreign sound to her. That's why I was thinking. Wait, that is she is she American? I, I assumed both these bands were American, but maybe not. Hmm. 
They didn't say they weren't. So that was just a, a yeah. Usually, yeah. Usually, they'll the say if they're from another country. That's right. So that's the that's the one that really drew me in. But Dark Oscillations um, and Relay Runner. This is from pitchfork again seem to be sung in this liminal space on the border between one state of being and the next over driving percussions uh, cross strives to crawl out of stagnation by looking deep into herself her voice swelling behind her like a chorus of past selves these two are, are much more in line with what the rest of the album sounds like yeah, I'd agree with that. I love those real repetitive drums in there that mm-hmm. kind of just seems like they're going to stay the same for the whole song because it's like, it's like kind of a slow burn, but they eventually do build and it's it's like epic. It's really fun. It is. Are you referring to Dark Oscillations or Relay Runner? Uh, Dark Oscillations. That? Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that one first. Yeah, I, I feel like it kind of builds slowly like um, kind of like a Pink Floyd song kind of has these like little found sounds that finally kind of um the woodwinds yeah. come in again and they carry that metal melody very eerie mm-hmm. i always thought i thought it sounded like like intro music for like a cia or spy drama oh i can see that yeah yeah, yeah. there's a few things on here that i, I think could be used nicely for a, a movie soundtrack Oscillations way down in the deep information where I can be reached. It's kind of like Ooh. deep state. Yeah, you know, it's kind of creepy. Dark things happening. The deep information. Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> That's what it all comes back to. This one's about Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, they all are. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the chorus just kind of comes in uh, like a light in the darkness. It kind of just emerges from the noise. The the thing is, what like six seven minutes long, uh, and it has a lot of this darkness. And then all of a sudden, just out of that comes in the the angelic voice of Miss Cross. Yeah, and when those drums ramp up, it's so cool. <clears throat> and then I like. After that big build, how it kind of uh, fades out. It fades out real nicely. Pitchfork, and I, I kind of agree with it. They they call the um, album's chilling centerpiece. Uh, that's uh, I don't want children. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they say it's powered by powered by uh, the kind of melody you'd hear lilting from a music box. It looks to future potentials that are just as lost. Uh, Cross ruminates on absent figures as powerfully as if they were standing in front of her. It does. It starts like this scene from The Last Samurai. is like this weird kind of um, <laughs> Asian, Japanese-sounding um, kind of pluckiness. And then her voice is just like angelic, but so sorrowful. It's like the most yeah. heartbreaking thing. It paints these beautiful daydreams of having a kid that will never be because obviously I don't want children is the title of the <laughs> song. Right. There's, there's something like very tragic about it just in the way that it sounds. You know what it reminded me of a lot uh, is it's like a it's like a Radiohead lullaby. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Remember, remember uh, Daydreaming, the second track off of Moonshaped Pool? 
Uh-huh. It reminds yeah. me so much of that. Yeah, that's a good shout out. It is it is so sad yeah. and, and, <laughs> and really long and and slow. But, but the backstory is almost just as depressing. character sings about kind of uh, not wanting children but she almost like regrets it like she kind of feels like she wants yeah it feels uh, like guilty she, or... she, yeah she should want to want children because obviously yeah. this is a huge rift in their relationship and so um, at, before they got to uh, get her as a band um, Cross and what's his name Durzinski yeah uh-huh. <laughs> The other guy in um, Cross Record are, uh, were married. Oh, really? Yeah, and so coming into this collaboration, they were married, and they left the collaboration uh, divorced. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Damn. And so this was an NPR interview, and you got to feel for the guy. Um, she's saying of the music and... Uh, sheer water that we have different sensibilities and to me that's what's exciting about making music emily cross says uh, because there's so much to learn from people that are coming from a different place but the creation of something new often requires a sacrifice of something known one song that myberg wrote for the new album resonated especially hard with cross in i don't want children the narrator sings i don't want children even though I, if i did i would want them with you Uh, and continues to weigh possible futures over the next six minutes. Cross says it really got her thinking about her own relationship. Oh. (laughs) That's no good. That's Uh, no good at all. (laughs) That's not the kind of song that you want to, like, be like, oh, that reminds me of my relationship. Yeah. Awkward. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... She says, uh, I think what it did was spur on that line of thinking, I guess, the way of following different possibilities down, Cross says. Uh, it injected a reflective atmosphere. Uh, towards the end of the record recording process of Loma, Cross and Derzinski decided to get a divorce. I think we rushed into it, getting married and just setting up this fairy tale life for ourselves without really understanding each other and what we were doing and whether or not we were compatible. Derzinski says Ooh, that boy. seems, yeah, that, that almost seems like he got the, that was like the takeaway from some sort of fight that they had. Yeah. Uh, because she says we were never really romantically compatible. He says whether or not we were compatible. She says we were never romantically compatible. We just both liked working on music and we were really believed in the life that we wanted. Mm, seems like she mistaked, she mistook, um, like this mutual love of music for a romantic relationship. Right. Right. Got the wires crossed. Yeah. That's sad. She says we realized that our strength was based more on this collaboration relationship as artists together. And that's where a relationship should live platonically. Ooh. Friend zone after being married. <laughs> that's a hell of a demotion. So then Drzinski is the one putting this whole entire album together. So he struggled with finishing it because he had to listen to Cross singing all these hours and hours on end. Yeah, holy shit. 
And so Myberg's over there growing worried that it'll never be released. He says, I was so excited about this project and it had been going so well. And then I knew their separation would make it difficult to finish. But wow. also anytime your friends break up, you're just sad for what's happened. Damn. But yeah. So, and he's saying, well, I'll never play with cross record together again. Drzezinski is. And she says, I'll keep writing music as cross record. If, it, if I'm just going to be doing it for myself or find new people, I don't know, but it's going to be fine. Whatever happens. Ow, man. So, I really feel like she's really okay with this. Yeah. <laughs> she feels liberated from the situation. I feel like. Yeah, but not a, yeah, an amicable uh, separation. No. Um, you got to feel for the guy. So presumably this will be the only Loma record, right? I don't know. I mean, that that would be hard to see. I mean, maybe they'll just, her and him will do another, her and um, the guy from Shearwater, Myberg. Oh, Jonathan I hope they Myberg. don't get together. That'd be very scandalous. Oh, that'd be hard. It'd be real hard. And like the next al- next Loma album's like real upbeat and nice yeah, it's like, and it's, it's like all love songs and shit. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. What a nightmare scenario. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> but no, th- this might be the one and only. Yeah, that's a good. That's it a good seems call. like a relatively safe assumption. After reading that story, I'm like, this song sounds like that is what yeah. happened. Absolutely. That I mean, it was. It already seemed like so tragic and dark. It, it's it seems way darker to me now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor guy. Well, we warned everyone the fun was over after the uh, <laughs> stuff up top there. So. But then Relay Runner comes in. Yeah, brings it back up a little. Yeah, much needed uh, after the previous downer. Yeah, it kind of comes in slow, picks you up off the floor, and you're like in the fetal position on the floor. Yeah, so while, hey, while still on. being a little like foreboding, I would say at times. Mm-hmm. Here's, a, here's a bouncy little drug song. This is the drug song. This is the drug song? Okay, that mm-hmm. makes sense. I did have the worst. I stick a needle right in the night. <laughs> I throw my body in the way. Oh, yeah. No one can see like I do. So we don't even, Relay I don't runner. even know why we bother uh, splicing the, in clips the in. music. You, you yeah, got this right? radio. <laughs> Who needs a radio? <laughs> well, if we ever get told to stop doing that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's our fallback is you're going to sing everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that we'd just skyrocket on the charts. Oh, absolutely. You'd be a national sensation. give it a real like swimmy drug feel don't you feel like just oh, kind of like bouncing through the night yeah. uh, kind of bumping off of people on the sidewalk and just mm-hmm. kind of cruising yeah and it kind of builds to like a kind of glitchy sort of chaotic finish mm-hmm. like maybe the end of like a drug night would be yeah it has a it has that real feel that that you know you're you're excited and bubbly at first and then it kind of yep. just starts breaking down for you yeah things start becoming like disjointed and <laughs> yeah it's a fun song this is the uh single off of the album interestingly oh, it is. i was yeah. i was sure it would have been joy right it has to be joy well it's but not. Uh, relay runner was the one they put out <laughs> i mean i guess that's makes sense as a second choice 
I, I feel like joy is such an outlier. I mean, it yeah. sounds like everything else, but it's such an outlier in, in terms of how it's made that um, Relay Runner is definitely a better um, example of the uh, album. And I think that if I heard Joy as the single, I, I would have uh, been like, what's all this shit? Right. What's all this now? <laughs> that doesn't sound like that. Yeah. You would have felt a little misled. I feel like, yeah, a little bit. So then after after Relay Runner, it the back half of the album does get a little scoundscapey, esoteric. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, just kind of like falls off a wall. Until the end, I, I feel like it's a it's a really nice um finisher, Black Willow. Yeah, yeah. Real plodding, kinda groovy mm-hmm. though at the same time. It is. And I like when the band sings all together on the last track. It just yeah, feels kind of, you yeah. know, vandalai. Cry baby cry to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. It's such a great concert closer. It is. It, it's a kind of a dark choir, real sultry piano ballad. Uh I like this, that piano this screams in there a adult lot. contemporary. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> this is the one. Because I rode up to the edge. Because of life I don't even, I remember like back in the day seeing ads for like radio stations and stuff on TV because I'm old as fuck, but I remember like adult contemporary, like what, what was that? Was it like Billy Joel? I don't know. I think it shifts. Kenny G? uh, Based on the adult that are adults right now. Interesting. (laughs) This is my theory. All right. On adult contemporary. I'll buy it, it is I'll just what an adult this. is. It's just kind of like a YA novel is different depending on the youth. The youths. That's true. They're involved. That's smart, Nathan. Love me a good YA novel. Uh, do you? I've never take YA novels. I didn't think you read it's, novels at all. No, especially not YA novels. I wait for the movie to come out, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you uh, jacked for uh, Love, Simon? Is that, is that, I don't know. Yeah, it is. Just I don't pl- know just, if I'm jacked. Just pretend you're jacked. I'm super jacked. Fire. Back to the song, though. I, I lo- <laughs> One of the reasons I love it as an album ender is how the song literally ends. It's just like really repetitive, like dreamy fade out. Mm-hmm. Like not one of those things where like the volume just gets lower and lower. It's like a very deliberate, constructed fade out. Yeah, they just keep saying Black Willow over and over again, and it it just has this kind of this real uh, nice pace to it, just if, a real kind of rhythmic feel to it. Yeah, it, it, it just like feels like all right, goodbye. This is the end of the album. That groove is so present throughout the entire album. Like mm-hmm. it's just so groovy in so many places where they just get things started so slow, yeah, and they allow them to kind of stay in that groovy place for longer than you would think a band would. So it's nice ender to kind of end in a real groovy place like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really cool that it's some like simultaneously groovy at like kind of like plotting and deliberate. Very cool. It's a slow groove. Yeah, but a groove nonetheless. <laughs> a groove nonetheless. <laughs> Do you think this is a groovy place to end the pod? Uh, super groovy. Super groovy. All right. I think that does it for us this time. Check out Loma and tell us what you think on Twitter. Mention at the Radio Cure Pod. 
And as always, follow the link in the show notes to all the reviews and music used in this episode to our website, theradiocurepod.com. Till next time, I've been Nathan C. I've been Nathan C. I've been Nathan C. I've been Nathan C. Oh. Till next time, I've been Nathan Seal. With me was Jeremy Cohen. Thanks for listening to The Radio Cure. Bye. You're going to have to do something fun like I did with it when I cut out the music on your flub. You like that, huh? I did like I did like I was that. very <laughs> pleased with myself, I, but I felt like I peaked way too early in the episode. <laughs> you did. <laughs> it was my greatest achievement. It's all downhill from there. It was that dirty ankle breaking crossover. Yeah. <laughs> that you see in the I only, in the basketballs. I when I only had had one in me for my life. That was it. <laughs> well spent. It's a Cinderella story. Yeah. <laughs> Go Loyola. Sure, yeah. Catholics. Go radio care in the sports, sports, sports. Uh, Fucking Duke cool. lost. We're fucked. I know we are fucked now. Unless Villanova doesn't win. If, if Villanova loses, we need Villanova and Michigan to lose, and we will win. Michigan, too. I think. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> That's asking a lot. I was feeling so good, too. I felt so good about that game, too. I thought Duke was going to pull that out. I did, too. That was... That, I mean, shame on me. Like, who wants Duke to win? I made myself cheer for Duke. I know. I'm being punished. That is bad. <laughs> <He's> punished. <laughs>